Hello, everyone, and welcome to another America's Conservative Podcast. I am your host, Ed Denzel, and I'm feeling good, sleeping well, breathing well, in contrast to this time last week. It was a week ago today that I had my huge asthma attack, but I'm feeling great now. I mean, I, I may notice me, I'm stuffed up and everything, but trust me, I feel great, and... Uh, I feel very fortunate to be that way. The, the glories of modern medicine. I don't know what people did 100 years ago when you got asthma. Probably died. Asthma is a killer. If, if you don't, I mean, it can get so bad that it'll kill you. Just like any other disease out there. It's not just a mere inconvenience that you just have to live with and it goes away. Uh, people do die of asthma when you don't take care of it. And... Although, uh, I don't know if I was headed – it certainly felt like I was headed that direction last week. I don't know if I would eventually have gotten there, but uh, I could see how that can happen. You're just straining to breathe. Whew. I don't even like think about it. It's just even scary to think about. So uh, I'm happy to be here a week later and breathing fine and feeling good. Uh, I shouldn't – and on that topic – of being alive and feeling good. Uh, you have, uh, I guess, a week from now. Today is the 7th. A week from now, it will be... Is it a week from now? Let me think about that. Yeah, a week from now. It will be Valentine's Day. And I think this is going to be... It's, it's 2017. I think this is going to be the 13th or 14th year in a row where I don't have to buy anything for anybody. And it feels great. I just want you to know, feels spectacular. So, uh, just a single guy. I think I've that comes up on this show once in a while. And I'm a single guy, no kids, no girlfriend. A lot of time to do a lot of reading and, of course, do my other program, Unfound, and do a lot of phone calls and research for that show. Just Valentine's Day comes around and it's just like it doesn't even exist to me anymore. And you know what? I'm perfectly fine with it. I, I truly am. Uh, so for all of you guys, and I guess I guess at least some girls, you better get shopping. You better have your plan. Don't, don't do like you do your Christmas shopping, which is the day before. Uh, I wouldn't do that in this case. You've got to have a plan. Execute the plan. Uh, it's next Tuesday. Make sure you got your everything planned out for the day before on Monday. You got to go to work. Then you got to go here. Got to go there. Don't leave it up to the last second. Mm -hmm. Or you won't be celebrating some Valentine's Days in the future. But it'll be for totally different reasons than I don't have to celebrate Valentine's Day. You know what I mean? So there you go. That's my advice. A little bit of dating advice. I was reading, uh, getting to the, I guess, the political part of the show. I was reading that the Super Bowl ratings, TV ratings, Nielsen ratings, whatever they call them these days, uh, were down. I have to, uh, for the Super Bowl, compared to the last few, it's not the lowest Super Bowl ratings ever, but it was definitely a downturn from the last few years. I have to admit I'm surprised by that. Uh... I thought going in that 
even though I know that ratings have been down, were down during the regular season, and that was connected allegedly to the election and election stuff soaking up so much TV time. Maybe. I don't know what politics and football have to do with each other. Why a presidential election would get in the way of people watching football, I have no idea. But I guess there is at least some proof going back to 2012, 2008 that that could be the case. But the election's been over since November. And it seems that the, the downturning rating in ratings continued all the way through the Super Bowl. Once again, I'm surprised because to me it looked like an interesting matchup. Just taking my, my dislike of the Patriots out of it and me being totally uh, <laughs> uncaring or unfeeling about the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, sometimes I even forget they even have a football team. On paper, it looked like a good matchup. It was a, uh, the, the Patriots were favored by, what, three and a half. Fairly even matchup. Atlanta Falcons going for their first Super Bowl, this high-flying offense, scoring a lot of points. Matt Ryan, MVP of the league. Going against the Patriots, Bill Belichick. I guess the team that some people love to hate, and I'm going to get into that in a second. Uh, going for their fifth. It's going to be a record for a, a coach and quarterback combination to surpass Chuck Noll and Terry Bradshaw. Uh, you know, getting tied for second place with Dallas and San Francisco for the most Super Bowl titles ever. Of course, number one of the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's to me seems like a pretty good, lot of good storylines there. And still, at least 47% of the population in the United States did not tune in for one play. I was one of those people. And once again, because just don't care for the Patriots, and I'm just totally non... I have no emotional attachment to the Atlanta Falcons either, even though I was hoping the Falcons would win because I don't like the Patriots, but it wasn't to the point where I need, thought I needed to tune in. I had other, I had other things to do. Had some work to do on Sunday night. So I'm a little surprised by this. And there's been a couple of websites that have been looking into this. And the one that I saw linked to was from Hot Air and Jazz Shaw. And, of course, eventually he gets around to the whole Colin Kaepernick thing that went on during the season. He says he can't help but think that that has something to do with it. And I think this is one of those ways that we as conservatives delude ourselves. I'm, I'm not convinced at all that that is a major reason. that the I'm not saying that a couple people didn't tune out, but I don't know enough people would tune out because of the Colin Kaepernick kneeling down, and I know some other players got into, do, got into doing that, that it would amount to enough that you'd see it in the ratings. I'm really surprised by that. I would be really, really surprised by that. Once again, I know a few people probably did. Thousands maybe. But thousands don't matter in NFL ratings because the NFL has millions and millions and millions of viewers every week. That's like a tenth of a percent or something. Or, you know, a half a percent or... Just something that is hardly even measurable. Um, instead, 
But that's how we convince ourselves that, see, these liberal, the NFL is too liberal. It's gone too far and conservatives are striking back. I, I hate how we rationalize that stuff. I hate it. There is no proof of that. I know there's a lot of talk. I know there's a lot of been written about it. I know there's a lot of blogging about it. But I take uh, I can take a cue from my own life regarding the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2015. I didn't watch a Steeler game all season because they had a dog killer on their team. Michael Vick wouldn't watch. I, I had I you know some point you have to draw the line somewhere as I I think I've been doing in the last couple years. Uh, with my politics and not voting for Donald Trump, just not voting for the Republican candidate just because a Republican's running. I guess I drew the line there, and I drew a line last year with the Steelers. When they got rid of him, I came back. I, 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 don't know if any, but I don't know if there was one Steeler fan in the nation that did that, in the world that did that. I have no idea, haven't heard about any. I know there are a lot of dog lovers who continue to watch the Steelers. You know, I don't know what you're going to do. So then you're going to convince me that some people stop watching because some guy kneels down during the national anthem. It's a little hard to understand. I'm not saying it's not possible. It's just a little hard to see that there will be enough to alter Super Bowl ratings or NFL ratings as much as they got altered this year. I have some other suspicions regarding this. And I th- see what I think is too many people are looking, trying to find that one reason. I think it's a multitude of reasons that NFL ratings were down this year. And maybe some of it had to do with the election, but then continued through the Super Bowl. One, the NFL as a whole has gotten a lot of bad press outside of Colin Kaepernick. I think that. This is very, what it seems, almost Jekyll and Hyde slash passive-aggressive, whatever other kind of paradox situations or dichotomy situations or ironic situations you can think of. Their approach toward concussions and... uh, has, I think, confused fans. And I think it has upset some fans. On one hand, they're gonna the, the referees are flagging players for th- this hit and that hit, but then when you see ads for the NFL and commercials, they advertise some of those same hits that, that would get flagged. That's hard to I, I understand. And I th- once again, I'm not saying it's a huge percentage of people. But I think that that... I think that it begins to express the idea that the NFL is doing certain things uh, to protect players allegedly, but they're willing to use those same plays to market the game. It's no different like with being that the Steelers with Antonio Brown. He gets flagged for dancing in the end zone and some of the things he did this past season, and he got fined as well. But then the NFL will want him to be on an ad for the NFL when it has the Madden 7 2017 or something where he's doing what? Dancing around. So on one hand, they're finding him for dancing. On the other hand, they're allowing him to do it and make money from it. It's a li- Once again, it's a little hard to understand. 
And I think that some people uh, have started to see through it, and I think it wears people a little thin. Once again, not a huge percentage, a huge group of people, a small group of people. And getting back to the concussion, I think that that, is, that situation has not helped the, the NFL. And it's also, I think, hurt parents who have kids who then say, well, I don't want my kids playing football because of the, this concussion. Well, the next step is they're, they're going to start paying attention to football less. That, that's a factor as well. That's, it all adds up. And that's why it's been hard for a lot of football aficionados, uh, mainly in the grassroots areas, people who run their own blogs about their favorite teams, not ESPN or anybody like that. But outside of that, I think a lot of people have a hard time understanding that this concussion stuff is actually killing the sport. Uh, I think that the attitude around grassroots American football people is that these players know what they're getting into. They appreciate the dangers. It's not 40 years ago where the players didn't know about it. They know the uh, dangers. And as long as they're not going to sue the NFL later and their families aren't, then they should just put all of this stuff to the side. Hmm. It's no different than coal miners or anybody else that is involved in a dangerous job where there could have there could be long-term problems. Long-term. Whether it's that day like with a miner going in there and having a cave in or long-term problems with black lung and I guess maybe that's something that's I don't know if black lung happens for coal miners anymore. I think the technology has gotten to the point where that's kind of been snuffed out, but still, you understand what I'm saying. It's, it's no different than deep sea divers who do welding and, and anything like that. It's just a dangerous job. The men and women who do dangerous jobs accept the risks. They choose to do it anyway, and that should be good enough. And uh, that's not what's going on in the NFL, but it also seems that the NFL is trying to have it both ways. They say they're protecting against it, but then they want to advertise all these big hits and everything as well. Hard to understand. Uh, Roger Goodell, I think, once again, getting back to, uh, I think, the concussion stuff, but also the fines that he has given out over the years. I think Inflategate uh, called into question his leadership. I think a lot of people were turned off by him as well. Now, as a Steeler fan... I know all about that uh, and what he did with uh, you know, suspending Ben Roethlisberger however many years ago. And then the Steelers were the only team to not sign the collective bargaining agreement because they thought that Roger Goodell had too much power in fining and suspending people, which is absolutely 100% turned out to be true. And it was the Steelers who were the only team that seemed at the, that point – to really recognize that, why that is, I don't know. So I think that has rubbed people that right way, and I think people have come around to the, the Steeler fan attitude of Roger Goodell over the last few years. And I think the game itself 
uh, has changed. And maybe it has to do with the fining for players, for big hits. Uh, It seems to me that the refereeing has gotten worse. Maybe it's because cameras, there's more cameras on games than ever. And you can see more replays than ever. And everybody with a phone is in the in the the stadium is filming something and getting a different angle on something, and you're seeing more mistakes or something like that. Or it seems that the the referees make mistakes that are so obvious it's hard to see. It's hard to understand how they make mistakes in the first place. I mean, there were so many I know late in the year face mask calls that were missed. In the Steeler game, like Antonio Brown, when they beat the Ravens and he stretched across, on that play, he got he, his his face mask got, face mask got grabbed, no call. Going back, uh, there was that catch was it by the Seahawks or whatever else that guy caught the ball with one hand, but there was a face mask on that play. Just so many plays that get missed, and I think that adds up for people as well. So it's a lot of, it just doesn't seem that the NFL is taking care of its business. I know it's making a lot of money. I know it is. And the NFL is making a lot of money for a lot of people out there. Now, I don't mean the players. I mean a lot of restaurants, beer companies, food companies, travel companies, hotels, rentals, uh, apparel. I mean, lots of people make a lot of money off the NFL, and if that's how it's judged, and it's a business, then I guess that's all that matters. But I also know that, and there's one more thing that I'll get into in a second, uh, but I also know that your ratings can't continue, to, even the NFL can't continue uh, with its ratings going down little bit by little bit here and there. I'm not saying it's going to go down to the point where it's you know a, a secondary sport in the United States. I think that's crazy. Now, maybe 20 years from now, 30 years from now, as a, a couple generations of kids, of course, mainly boys, are brought up with the idea that uh, this sport causes concussions, maybe then we'll just have to see. We'll just have to see. Uh, but in the next few years, uh, I think that if the... The ratings are going to continue to go down. Even if just by tenths of a point, then it's because of all of these reasons put together. I, I, I simply believe, even though the NFL is making money, it doesn't seem to me like it's taking care of its business. It seems like there's a lot of hypocrisy going on. There's a lot of mistakes going on. Uh, on top of it, I think these everybody these the NFL trying to go to London... I think that has really made, uh, made some people feel a little weird about what's going on. I think to the average American fan that it, may, it makes more sense if there was a team in Mexico City. In Mexico, then going you know three, four time zones over to go to London, the whole way across the Atlantic Ocean. That seems a little weird, whereas Mexico... You know, I know we're going to build a wall and all that stuff, but still, they have a lot of, obviously, a lot of fans down there, given the population, given how many people went to see the game 
in Mexico City. There's a lot of Raider fans down there, as you saw. That would seem like a more natural expansion if they want to do that over going to London. My personal opinion is already too many teams. I think that 32 teams in the NFL is too many. I think you could contract by four teams. I mean, there's not a lot enough good quarterbacks to go around. And that makes some teams really horrible. And then you have those five or six teams that are in the playoffs seemingly every, you know, every year in the AFC and NFC simply because they have the best quarterbacks. And I guess you say the Steelers, the Patriots, the, the Packers, the Seahawks. And then you have a bunch of, you know, you have the Jacksonville Jaguars and you have the, the Cleveland Browns and you have the Buffalo Bills, you know. Um, there could be some contraction that goes on to make the quality of play higher. And that maybe could be something else. Even though you have Tom Brady, who's probably the greatest quarterback ever, and you have a lot of great players, I'm not sure the teams themselves are better. I don't know. I don't know. So I think it all adds up. I also think that on top of this, you've had, uh, I think baseball has gotten become a little more prominent in recent years simply because I think baseball, even though you have the disparity between the rich teams and the poor teams, it seems like it handles its business better, seemingly. Uh, there is a growing, whether I like it or not, a growing fascination with soccer in this country. And... Uh, that is going that's not going anywhere that's just going to continue to grow more and more from year to year although i'm not saying the united states will eventually become italy you know or england or germany regarding uh, soccer but i foresee some i mean with a country of 330 million people you're going to get good at that sport sooner or later sooner or later uh, but once again, I don't know how. So it's all of these things. And there's one more thing. Uh, and it has to do with, with TV and watching. I happen to also think that it very could well be that you're having the, maybe the same amount of viewers watching games. But people are going to the internet. And there are so many places on the internet these days where you can watch NFL games Without even having a TV. You don't have to go to a bar. You don't have to go to a sports book. You don't have to go to your friend's house. None of these people have to pay for what is that program called Red Zone or whatever it's called. You can get the games for free on your computer. Watch them from beginning to end. And that doesn't show up in the ratings either. Now I know it's illegal wink wink nudge nudge. But that's a phenomenon too. And it could be maybe that one of the reasons the ratings were down is because of people were going off the grid to watch the game. And I, I anticipate more and more of that as computer technology gets better, screens get better, internet gets faster. And I don't know what the NFL can do about that. I think that I think uh, speaking of commercials, I think there are too many commercials. I think that's another thing 
that drives people nuts. How is it possible? How is it possible that you can watch a soccer game from England? Soccer games are two periods of 45 minutes each with a 15-minute minute, um, halftime. So that's 90. That's 105 minutes. And the only time you ever get commercials are at halftime. They don't cut to commercials during those 45-minute periods. How is that possible? Whereas soccer in England or some of these other countries is just as popular as American football, but American football, you have to cut to a commercial every two minutes or in baseball or in basketball. But in all those other countries, they can just do an entire half with no commercials. It's something that is now. There maybe there's some government subsidies in there or something, uh, probably. But uh, the more and more Americans are subjected to sports from outside of the United States, especially once again soccer, they're going to notice that, and then they go back to watching their American football and seeing all these commercials, and they start saying, "What's up with this?" Now, you'll notice I went on for about 15 minutes here, and it had nothing to do with Colin Kaepernick. And that's why I try to tell all of you, don't see just what you want to see. I know you want to feel good that people walked away from the game because of Colin Kaepernick. There are a lot of reasons that the ratings could be down. That you just want to narrow it down to one because it makes you feel good, that's your problem. The game itself, without, with Colin Kaepernick, without him kneeling, not kneeling, still has a lot of issues that could explain what has gone on. And once again, this year, this season was a little weird because of, of an election uh, cycle. And I guess, once again, there's proof out there that during election times that the ratings do go down. Why that is, I have no idea, but... I've been told there, there is evidence of that. There's data to support that. So I, I, this is, once again, one of the ways that we as conservatives try to delude ourselves. Let's just get to the truth. Let's just get to the, what the answer is. And it's a lot of things. It could be seven or eight reasons uh, put together, and probably only one of them touches the political realm. Well, now that I think about it, maybe it's two, and maybe this would be a good time to start the the rest of this discussion. I did not watch the Super Bowl, as I just said. But I understand that there were ads, speaking of ads and too many ads in football. But the Super Bowl is known for its ads, and I, I, I this could go back, I think, even to when I was in college 25 years ago, that... People would wait in anticipation for the the crazy ad that's going to be on that you just got to see, and the ads for the Super Bowl are so expensive, and that still continues to this day. But I understand that some of these commercials were f- very f- political and not in a positive conservative way. I guess there was an Audi commercial – that, that talks about how mocking something about men are worth more than women, you know, and uh, mocking anybody who thinks like that as if the, anybody does think like that. 
There was the the 84 lumber commercial that had to do with a wall and building walls and tearing down walls or something like that. I've not seen them. And then there were a couple other ones that got some attention too that uh, were definitely not in a conservative direction. They were to mock mocking Donald Trump. They were mocking uh, whatever conservative principles, playing up lies in politics. And it's twofold. One, this, I mean, number two, maybe this is the reason that maybe if you want to get into a political reason, this seems more like a, a possibility than Colin Kaepernick. You keep hitting people over the head with stuff like that. And you have to remember that these companies know how many millions and millions of people are going to be watching. And these are the ads that they chose to air then. And this goes to show that, as I continue to point out, the reason they do this is because they are more afraid of liberals than they are of you. If they were afraid of you, they wouldn't mock you, or mock us, I guess, in these commercials. They wouldn't do that. Instead, they want to show up and represent for the liberal kooks in this country in, in probably the most prime time advertising real estate every year in the United States. And this is one of the ways I think that we, we have felt. They do it because they think that they can get away with it. And you know why they think they can get away with it is because they have gotten away with it. And I would continue after the break. You've been listening to America's Conservative Podcast. The voice of American conservatism. WRS Digital. Red State Talk Radio. And we are back at America's Conservative Podcast. Kind of a football theme today. I don't know if I expected to go on this long about it. I'm never really sure how long a discussion is going to go. I just write down the notes and start talking. What do you want me to do? But uh, we first were on why the Super Bowl ratings ratings might have been down. And now we've moved on to the ads that were in the Super Bowl. And I was saying that here we are, biggest sports night in the, at least the United States. And companies decide to pull out their most liberal, kookiest of messages. Uh, to me, it seems, and... The NFL has to approve these ads. They don't want anything that's too racy, too much of this, too much of that. They get to see the ads before they air, and the NFL approved them. Just remember that. And the networks, Fox approved them. Knowing that... Of course, I know what they're going to say. Well, if we reject this, you know how much blowback we're going to get? And, you know, well, would, would you think they reject a conservative ad? Maybe. What if the NRA wanted to do an ad? What if Glock, the gun manufacturer, I love my Glock 19, by the way. What if Glock wanted to do an ad during the Super Bowl? What if Smith & Wesson or one of these other country, com- companies wanted to do an ad? 
what do you think the NFL would do? What do you think Fox Sports, or regular Fox, would have done? I wonder. But I think the reason the companies do this is because they feel that they can get away with it. Uh, You know, conservatives have money too. Republicans have money too. In fact, liberals will tell everybody, will tell the unknowing that it's Republicans and conservatives that have all the money in the United States. If that's the case, then why is it these companies, Audi, which is not a cheap car company, why is it running an ad trying to woo liberals who allegedly don't have any money? Now, we know that liberals do have money. In fact, we know that the super, super, super rich in the United States are mostly liberals. The reason these companies do it is because they're not afraid of you. They fear that I, I, I think that they see not that we should be causing riots or anything. But they see what goes on uh, at Berkeley, and they see what has gone on in these other places, especially like the last couple years. Black Lives Matter, hands up, don't shoot, Occupy Wall Street, and they get fearful. Whereas for some reason, they watch the Tea Party movement of the last six years, and they see the, and they have to know about the increase in gun purchases in the United States. And, uh, you know, some other things that have gone kind of positively or the Republicans taking back over the House and then taking back over the Senate and don't seem to want to woo those people at all. Even though those people have a lot of money, too. So I think it's motivated by fear. And I hate boycotts, and I hate violence, and I hate protests, and I hate windows getting broken and everything else. But if you want to sit down and figure out why these companies do that, it's because of those reasons. It is. And uh, to the point where they have no problem airing those messages in front of millions and millions of eyeballs on – the night where TV is watched the most. It's a direct slap in the face of at least half the population in the United States. And the truth is that probably all of the money they spent to put that ad on that uh, on the Super Bowl probably is all wasted because they probably turned off as many people as they turned on. Now, I know I would know that. I, am, I, I went to school for business. I'm not saying I'm not very business-minded at all. I could just take the classes and pass them. That's it, really. I, have, I don't have a lot of marketing genius. I, I'm a pretty quick thinker. I'm fairly intuitive. Uh, but I wouldn't say I'm, a, I'm a, not a very good self-promoter. I'm not a very good self-marketer. But I know a losing ad when I see one. And I can see an ad pretty quickly if I, I know it's going to be divisive or not. And if I would have seen the, this Audi commercial or the 84 Lumber commercial or any of these other ones that, that caught attention from conservatives, I would have told that company, you, you're going to be spending $5 million, what is it, $5 million for a minute or $5 million for 30 seconds, whatever it is. And you're going to do as much to turn off as many people as you're going to turn on. Does that not bother you? 
Do you know that? I know that you think that you're turning off the right people. You don't want to uh, – you, you don't mind turning these people off because you think they're wrong. But this is really more about selling cars than it is about making a political agenda, or is it something else? And why? Do, and if that's the case, why can't you just admit it? Why do you have to disguise it in a car commercial? Why just not make a political ad and take your name off of it and putting in the Super Bowl with that same amount of money? It's the exact same thing because you're not going to sell any cars because of this. You're just going to tick people off. People are going to talk about it, but this is a time when bad publicity is not good publicity. This is when bad publicity and people, conservatives are driving the Audis, and they think about, I'm never buying one again. Now, is that what you want? If that's what you want, then play it. It's your money. It's just, it's hard to understand. It really is. And the, uh, probably the 84 lumber commercial is even more surprising because, you know, Audi's some German car company and it's hoity-toity and everything else. Uh, I guess maybe in a couple different ways that, that their ad kind of makes sense. 84 lumber is, you know, it's kind of blue-collar. There aren't any hoity-toity people looking for lumber at, at 84 Lumber. They're looking for wood at 84 Lumber. But there it is, doing this talk about an immigration and a wall and, and all this. It's hard to understand. And did the 84 Lumber owner's CEO get to see all by the ad company before it aired? How did they think – maybe one of those reasons that, hey, we need an ad. We want to play it during the Super Bowl. We want to get some attention. What can you come up with? And then when an ad company puts together the sketch, the script for the ad, you know, it could be that the CEO and the, the board of directors are like, well, we don't like it, but what happens if we say no? Then we look like a bunch of bigots, and so they let it go. That happens. I'm sure that's happening in boardrooms all across the United States. Companies ask some ad company to come up with an idea. The ad company brings back some really liberal, liberal message, and the company decides to go with it because they're afraid to say no because of how it might make them look. Maybe. So in the end, they spend up, end up spending $5 million, $10 million dollars on an ad that's probably not going to generate any business, and it's just because they don't have the courage to say, no, we can't do that. Once again, because they're more afraid, these companies are more afraid of liberals than they are of conservatives. And I've told you, I think that we as conservatives have gone way too far, way too far in, def- in defending businessmen and corporations and private business owners and all of that over the years. I think that's why it's created this, this um, arrogance uh, among them that they don't have anything to fear from us and our purchase habits, first of all. Also, it's created this idea, as I've said many times, 
It's the exact reason you create a situation where you have private business owners, conservative business owners, who are employing illegals. Because for so many years, conservatives said, don't listen to you know, the federal laws are just trying to get in the way of you making money. The tax system's killing you. The regulations are killing you. The government shouldn't tell you how to run its business, run your business. You need to do it on your own. What's one of the first things they do? They start hiring illegals. That's how, this is how, this is what happens when you sell things to the extreme and you don't sell things of conservatism in moderation. And what we've been doing over the last 25 years is selling conservatism in the extreme and not tempering it with you still have to follow the laws. This is why I get so crazy about how conservatism has been handling the media for the last 25 years. Selling the the media, selling uh, the hatred of media in the extreme to the point now where conservatives only believe media that they like. To the point where you can have a president who is elected by a lot of conservatives saying any negative news is fake news and people go along with them. That's what happens when you sell stuff in in the extreme with no sense of, you know, a little bit of modesty among, you know, among all of it, a little bit of self-awareness among all of it. So, uh, there you go. So that's my football talk for today. Let's move on to something else. So reading this uh, article, this woman who wrote this article must listen to this show. It's at the Federalist, and it's called uh, "If Libs Lose Education, They Lose Everything." And this is exactly true. I've I've said this for a long time that if the liberal, if the unions. And liberal teachers, and then even going up to the university level, if liberal ideology were to lose those institutions, not necessarily lose them necessarily, but if those institutions were put into a more competitive atmosphere where parents had more choices with their kids, if teenagers, early 20-somethings had more choices as far as higher education – Um, based more on supply and demand than just accepting that 99% of the places you're going to go in the United States for higher education are liberal. That would would for a long time, if not forever, break the hold that liberalism has on education. I think that if you did that, you would certainly change how people think about the United States and how people think about education and how to think about government and rights and freedom and all of these all of this other stuff. And so she's right uh, that if if liberals lose their stranglehold on getting kids at four or five years old and indoctrinating them right through their early 20s, yes, it's going to be a huge big deal, a huge loss for them. And again, for us, I don't know how big of a gain it's going to be. I don't know. 
my attitude is I just don't think that any one ideology should have a corner on the market in education in this country. It should be more market-based, free market-based, not indoctrination, not forced to go to school. Now, why is it – what is the problem? What has been the problem in the last 25 years? Now, I know that conservatism leaders in the last 25 years have talked about education and have made fun of it, made fun of those teachers' unions. But why is it – does it seem that over that time the media has been attacked more? I mean for every – one story you read about a conservative attacking education over the last 25 years, you're going to find at least a hundred that attacks the media and how it lies, MSNBC, CNN going way, way back, even before Fox News got started. Now, why is that if it's so obvious that it's the education system that is truly indoctrinating people at very young ages? I have a theory regarding that. I don't know if I – this stuff just – once again, I have a lot of time on my hand. These ideas just kind of pop into my head. The truth is it's a lot easier to make fun of Katie Couric than it is to make fun of your average teacher who's driving a Honda to work every day. Uh, it's a lot easier to make fun of MSNBC, these people who are making millions and millions of dollars even though the ratings are in the tank – then make fun of, once again, all these teachers who aren't making a ton of money, who are just driving regular cars, who are probably otherwise nice people, but when they get to school, they're flaming liberals and have no problems teaching your kids the wrong things. But, you know, you're always saying, well, you know, this person's kind of nice and they're just middle class. It's hard to make fun of people like that. See, this is what is so difficult about all of this. It's hard for us to admit, even as conservatives, even though we have been the brunt of horrendous, horrendous, vulgar attacks over the years, that it's hard for us to admit there are a lot of regular middle-class people driving Toyotas and Fords and Chevys going to work every day that are ruining this country. Instead, it's much easier, you know, here we are making fun of like Occupy Wall Street and how they make fun of the 1%. Well, guess who else has been making fun of the 1% for the last 25 years? We have. Now, we've been, I think, mostly right. We've been mostly right about that. But, you know what? There's like 25% who also contributing to the downturn in the United States as well, who are trying to make it go the wrong direction as well. Why do we leave those people out of it? And even then, when the topic has come up, we talk about union leaders. We talk about the Department of Education. We talk about, we talk about the programs, No Child Left Behind, Common Core. We never get to the root of the problem. That The fact is, there are how many teachers are here in the United States? I don't even know what the numbers. A huge amount. 75% of them go to school every day teaching kids crap, and they like it. Now, they might not like what they get paid. They may not like uh, some of their benefits. They may not like, they may not, uh, like some of their kids. They may not like their principal, 
but I don't know. I don't know how many teachers are teaching stuff every day that actually don't like the curriculum. Now, there might be some math teachers and things like that who've been thrust in the wrong positions, and I, I know about those stories. But do we really believe there are history teachers out there every day who are conservatives, who are teaching uh, – or, or liberals who are teaching about how George Washington is, is a racist and really hate it doing that? That he that you know reminding all the kids well he I know he's a founding father but he was a slave owner and he with Thomas Jefferson and and James Madison and Alexander Hamilton yes they're all old white men do you think that there are any liberal teachers that really dislike teaching that <laughs> so th- this is part of it that I, I think that we've let those regular people once again. People who are otherwise, they leave school, they go home, they, you know, they mow their grass, they pay their taxes, they paint their white picket fence, they help uh, their uh, neighbor with something and everything else. But the fact is when they go to school, they are destroying people's minds. But we, I think we as conservatives have laid off of them because we think they're otherwise good people. That has not helped anybody. Really all it's done is made us more of a target. And so I think it's also part of the, the part of the problem with all of this has been there are conservatives who teach in public schools. And when you start – even though they know they're teaching the wrong stuff, you start talking about the public education system and they come to the defense of it, which is strange to me. You know, I even experienced that with my dad, who was a public school teacher for over 30 years. Although we have not had this conversation recently, when we have gotten into that conversation, he's told me more than a couple times, well, you need to go easy on the teachers. And to my, I'm always, why? (laughs) Why? You need to go easy. Why? Nobody's going easy on the football players in the NFL. They're expected to perform. Nobody's going easy on engineers. If a bridge collapses, guess who's going to get blamed? The engineers. (laughs) Nobody goes easy on an accountant when he can't figure out how much taxes a business should, should be paying and how to maximize the profits of some business. But we're supposed to go easy on teachers even though we know that they're indoctrinating kids with lies. I don't get it. Why is there a different standard? I don't know. I don't know. But and what's funny to me about it is that um, I think what's weird to me is this. When you start talking about education, it's amazing to me how personally teachers take it. I never mention – the only teacher I ever mention on this show is my dad who's been a retired from – you know, teaching for 20 some years. He's been very fortunate. He's 80 now. Very fortunate to be able to retire and enjoy, you know, the time that he has. Um, but even today, once again, he takes it a little bit personally when I talk about public education. Whereas with me, you know, I could have somebody tell me, you know what? All science fiction writers in the world, they don't know what the hell they're doing. All the books today 
or such crap. And I've written a few science fiction books. I wouldn't take it personal for a second. Not a second. You know, some liberal could say all conservative talk show hosts are all idiots. They're bigots. They're racist, everything else. And it wouldn't affect me at all. I would not take that personally. Once again, if it's just the whole genre put together. If somebody were to say, all of those people who host those true, true kind podcasts, they don't know what the heck they're doing. They're also amateurish, and the audio sucks, and this and that. And the other thing, once again, I wouldn't take it personal. I'm just going to continue to do my work. Then why is it when people talk about how education stinks in this country and how their improvements can be made, you find teachers getting, getting, having such knee-jerk reactions and taking it personal. It's weird to me. It's weird. And this weirdness, I think, is what contributes to the education being bad. It very well could be that that some teachers think it's not just a job anymore, and maybe you know maybe teaching is should I guess maybe in some ways it's supposed to be more than a job, but now it feels like it's become a, a mission that if these kids don't get out of school, not knowing how to think, but these teachers are determined to teach kids what to think, and if they don't do that. It's like a failure. We don't. I, hey, we don't teach young people in this country how to talk, to teach or how to how to think critically. And you know where that spread? It spread over into conservative people as well. And there's been articles regarding that. Uh, Charlie Sykes and a couple other people have written articles about how, uh, you know, with the use of education, then on top of that, media. What it does is it wears people out, so they stop thinking critically. Uh, and maybe that's a topic for tomorrow or the next day. But it's education is always going to be a hot topic on this show. I got to go. Uh, email me edwarddentsoatreagan.com. Twitter at USA Podcast. Find it Monday through Friday, 11 p.m. Eastern. RedStateTalkRadio.com on the Prime Channel, 9 p.m. Eastern. They say that. Podomatic and iTunes. Have my other show, Unfound Missing Persons. Podcast, find it. Unfound Podcast. Uh, also find it on Podomatic and iTunes. Please listen, share, and subscribe. I gotta go. You've been listening to America's Conservative Podcast. <laughs>